You're listening to the Sprint Hard Iterate Fast podcast, where we look inside the most innovative companies creating exciting new jobs. I'm your host, Reggie James, and I've worked with many startups, three I co-founded, two that scaled to employ hundreds of people. On the Sprint Hard Iterate Fast podcast, we're getting candid stories and trusted career advice from CEOs, CTOs, and product leaders who are building amazing teams right now. Want to learn how to stand out and be noticed by some of the top tech companies worldwide? Hang with me as I uncover the secrets of their success. Well, today we're joined by our guest, Ben Berger. Ben has held senior product leadership roles at Dimension Data, the iconic, and now he's the chief product officer at Sydney, Australia-based fintech, Wiser. Ben, welcome to the Sprint Hard Iterate Fast podcast. Thank you, Reggie. Good to be here. Thank you. Ben, I, w- I want to start off, and I want to talk to you a little bit about, about Wiser. Um, can you tell us, our guests, our listeners, what is Wiser? Yeah, Wiser is a what we call here a non-bank lender. Um, so we're, we're definitely not a bank, but we do provide credit to people. Okay. Um, and I guess... We have we do that in a slightly different way to most other lenders, um, because we also have this whole element of what we call a financial wellness platform, um, and so we're not just providing credit to people, which which can be a massive uh, benefit to people in their lives, but we're also providing a whole set of tools and products um, and learning material that helps people sort out their their financial wellness in general, outside of any loan we may or may not provide to them. Really interesting. Uh, I'm I'm curious to know. Like, it seems like the market is definitely receiving you guys well. I'm curious to know how are Wiser disrupting the status quo in the financial industry? What are you doing that's that's different or unique um, that really sets you apart and differentiates the business? Yeah, I think so. Traditionally, um, in in Australia, and it's still the case today, um, the vast majority of uh, people when they want a personal loan, they'll, they'll get them from their bank. Um, and it's a very sort of transactional process. It's typically quite slow. Until recently, it was a paper-based process, and that's where Wiser, you know, really um, came in and disrupted by being, you know, completely digital. Um, and so, when people come to Wiser, either directly or through their broker, it's it, it's we're trying to make it a really seamless process and a mm-hmm. fair process and a transparent process. Um, and outside of that, beyond providing um, credit to people, whether that be for uh, a medical situation or a new set of wheels or a kitchen renovation or whatever it is, um, or consolidating debt, um, outside of that, we've got this, you know, as I said, we've got this financial wellness platform. So we're helping people to understand their credit scores. We're encouraging people where they're able to, to pay off their, uh, to pay off their debt um, or their loan with us as quickly as they sensibly can. And we don't charge them for that. Mm. Um, and, and whereas often if you get a loan, um, they'll actually charge you for paying it back early, which is kind of crazy and not very user centric. So there's a bunch of ways um, where we're constantly trying to look um, at, at building a richer relationship with, with our users and customers mm. in a way that you probably wouldn't really get from a traditional financial institution. Yeah, makes sense. And so I'm interested to know as well, um, 
you being in the chief product officer role, uh, thinking about experimentation. So on the Sprint Heart Iterate Fast podcast, we like to talk about products. We like to talk about experimentation, innovation. What is your approach to experimentation? And I would imagine that, you know, being in a highly regulated environment, you, you know, there wouldn't be, uh, you know, you'd have to you'd have to have some kind of structured process of how you experiment. So what does that look like at, at Wiser? Yeah, I don't know how I don't know how structured it is. There are definitely, you know, we we have a, um, you know, we have a group of colleagues who are very focused on compliance and making sure we do the right thing um, by by the book, um, and that's that's a that's a healthy dynamic um, to have within Wiser. Um, but we're all about metrics, metrics first. So before we do anything, we're kind of thinking, what are we trying to move? Mm. What are the what are the numbers or indicators or themes that we're trying to move, and how are we going to measure them? Um, and that's if, if we haven't worked that out, then we're probably not really starting something, even an experiment. Um, and and there is a pretty healthy experimental culture. So um, you know we've put in the technology to do A/B tests. Our design team have a whole set of tools that they use, um, like Maze and Askable and Dovetail um, to do all kind of user tests before we start heavily having to code things um, and get that insight. And even on things like, you know, we've got some new features that we're building out and we don't know what to call them. So we're just yeah. like, let's just test that stuff. I mean, it's not, um, there's nothing compliance related to that. Um, but So we're doing those kind of tests. We're seeing how people react. Um, and if and if things don't work, then we then we stop doing them. Mm. Um, and that's that's often the hard thing, but that's the healthy thing to do. Yeah, makes sense and and extremely pragmatic. Um, I want to talk a little bit about how you got to where you are today. So um, a lot of people listening would be looking to shift into a, a career in tech, or they're already in tech and looking to to get ahead and advance their career. Can you take us on a journey of how you ended up as the chief product officer of Wiser? I'd love to hear your story. Uh, well, look, it's a reasonably long journey. I'll try and be quick. I, um, I originally was interested in psychology. That's what I studied. And, um, and at the same time as that, I had this cousin called Peter who you know, really back in the early days of home computers, right? He was tapping away and writing programs and, and sending out cassette tapes and making loads of money. And so, so this whole kind of computer thing got me interested. And there were these two tracks in my in my life, this kind of interest in, in psychology and this interest in technology. And it sort of came together because there was a guy, um, there, was a, there was a field called, at the time it was called human-computer interaction. Today it would be more like... Um, UX or user experience or, or UI design. And so that's really where I started. So 20 odd years ago, a little bit more, um, my first job was in a startup, um, having done a master's in um, industrial and employment psychology, where really I focused on on the sort of UX side of things. Um, and how do we build technology to fit the way people think and process information and, and deliberate, right? Um, and I got this job in a startup as a, as a designer um, within a product team. And then, um, you know, the startup was incredibly successful and there was a position in the product team and that went well. And then at some point, the CEO said to me, uh, do you want to go set up a product management practice in the US? And I'm like, yes, 
um, let's go do that. That's exciting. So we moved, yeah, it was. It was. It was exciting. It was crazy. We had two little babies at the time, and we moved over to New York. Yeah. Um, and, and that was from our, London, is that right? Um, no, I, I grew up in London, which you probably tell by the accent. But I, um, we actually spent ten years in Israel. Okay. In, in Jerusalem, and uh, which is an in, incredible sort of hub of uh, innovation. Uh, crazy place to live, but great place for technology. Um, and we were there for 10 years and, and, and um, yeah, we got an opportunity to move to, to the States and we grabbed it and we were in the US and, we, and the startup got acquired while we were there. Um, it, it's a long story. Eventually, yeah. we ended up in Sydney, Australia because my wife's family was here. And, uh, and I've worked in lots of different places, like from startups through to IBM and, and things in between. And, um, and they all have pros and cons. And, and, yeah. But basically, I've been in product teams designing product teams for that for that whole period well that's incredible uh so three three different continents um um vastly different um work environments i would imagine and then having having worked at in in small companies that have grown fast to big companies um i suspect that's something that our listeners would be interested in as well is like what is the difference between you know, having product role in, you know, a, a, a small startup that's growing quickly versus, you know, taking something uh, w- with a larger, more established company. Maybe you could talk to us about that. Yeah, I I mean, and, and different people have different preferences, right? Um, so I don't deal well with big company bureaucracy. Okay. And, and jumping through hoops and things moving slowly. Um, that's just me. It, it, and, and obviously, I've kind of portrayed that in a, in a, with a negative slant, but that's 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 me. Um, so I'm happiest in a relatively small organization where you can really make an impact. You can mm. um, do things quickly. You can turn on a dime. Um, that's my happy space. Having said that, you know, um, being when we got acquired by IBM, it was an amazing experience. They had incredibly talented sales team. Um, I spent, you know, a good six months or so pretty much every week on a plane with them. Um, and you learn a tremendous amount from those people and how they interact and how they engage. Um, and, and it was very, very impressive. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm happier in a kind of more nimble, smaller, fast moving, dynamic place personally. Ben, if you, if you could think back to when you were young and, Thinking about the diverse career you've had, um, three continents, um, you know, multiple startups, big companies, small companies, what could you have told your younger self that might have prepared you for this journey? Yeah, I, I think, I guess, um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I've had big challenges, to be honest. I've, I've learned stuff along the way. I've made mistakes along the way. Um, I'm not someone typically that goes back and worries too much about, you know, what, what would I have done differently, but, but I would have done things differently. I, there was one company I worked for for about seven years, great place, very comfortable. People end up staying there 20, 30 years. But if I think about it from a career perspective, that, that, that wasn't a smart thing to do. For you because, to stay that long. Well, for me and, and, and actually for most people, I think, um, because for the most part, you're not going to, you're not going to learn as much. Hmm. Right. So, so, um, change, change is really represents learning opportunity. Hmm. Um, and so, um, yeah, so that's kind of something I've reflected on. 
I think, um, yeah, I think you can get the places you can get very comfortable in, um, which which is nice, but it's not um, it's not necessarily good in terms of um, personal development, I guess. I I know what you're talking about because I I worked for um, a large financial institution um, for nearly six years and. That was a short stint compared to the majority of people who work there, um, and I and I felt that whole like you know that whole feeling of if I if I stay here I, I might stagnate. Um, what would your advice be for people who f- might find themselves in a very comfortable organization right now, but um, have a desire to to challenge themselves in, in, in particularly around the technology space? Because a lot of people that I've spoken with um, they are in relatively good jobs, but probably not the, the highest paying and, and maybe have a bit of a ceiling there, but they can be a bit comfortable, complacent. What would you tell them based on your experience? Well, I think that the challenge is, is and it's easier said than done, you kind of got to disrupt yourself mm. and get out of your comfort zone um, or, or not. And, it, and, and honestly, um, I, I, you know, on the converse of all this is um, one of the, things that a lot of people do is they're like, oh, how am I going to get more money? How am I going to get the next promotion? How am I going to go up the ladder? Right? And, and at a certain point, most people, I think, I hope, get to a realization that you don't want to keep, you don't want to keep doing that because it comes with headache and stress and, 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 and it takes a certain amount of maturity to kind of actually think, what do you want to do? What do you care about? What do you value? Mm. As opposed to these kind of conventional more conventional goals of, you know, I've got to get, I've got to be a senior this and I've got to be a lead that and I've got to be a principal that, right? And, and that's what most people do, at least for a lot of their career. And, and I think, um, you know, some of the more impressive people I know have kind of thought quite deeply about what do they care about at work? Because we spend um, a huge amount of time and energy at work. Yeah. And, um, you know, um, yeah, you can get that promotion and you can get more money and whatever, but you have to kind of reflect well, what's what's important to you at that time in your life. Um, yeah, I think that's that's really fascinating, and I'm I'm keen to kind of kind of follow that a little bit, and and also follow up on something you mentioned. You said that you had made mistakes. Um, is there a mistake that you want to share with us today, so that we might be mindful of that for ourselves um, in our own career journeys? Um, I guess, I guess the one I sort of mentioned, which is being, getting complacent Mm. and, and, um, and staying somewhere for too long. Um, and that's probably the main one. And, and there was another, there was another place I won't name the company. Um, but there was another place I worked and I was only there for a short period and, they actually went, they acquired another company that overlapped with what I was working on. And I came back from a business trip one day and they're like, Ben, your position is, is you know, this whatever the terminology they use. They basically said you're fired, mm. but they kind of put it more politely. Um, or your position is no longer needed, right? So, um, and, and my reflection on that is that was actually a very unhappy period of my career. Mm. It was a very dysfunctional organization. And, but my reflection is if, if that acquisition hadn't happened and they hadn't said goodbye, I might have stayed there and tried, you know, and, and just being, because it's because of inertia and whatever. And, I, and it, honestly, it was the best thing that happened to me at the time. It was horrible. But looking back, I'm like, thank God, 
you know it was that that place was awful um and i'm not sure that i would have got myself out of it um or i would have wasted a lot of time and energy and, and heartache by staying there yeah so i haven't always made you know i haven't always made the smartest um decisions i've had a bit i've had quite a lot of luck um i've been fortunate in many ways but yeah it's uh i think people don't reflect on you got to take a step back and, and really do the thinking about what what's important to you that's really good and i think that's solid advice um for for anyone you know uh trying to progress in their careers is taking a step back and thinking about what's what's really important and i like what you said too about you know where we spend our time um and i think there can be this race to get ahead um but understanding you know is is the is that quality time um yeah so yeah. i think that's really a really good point i i would say for 10 or so years you know when people have asked me and i've had conversations about opportunities i've kind of said well culture is really important to me and actually it's only for the last five six years where i really understood what that means mm. um it's something i used it was a kind of glib comment that i would say um having worked in some amazing places but also some dysfunctional places i'm like yeah i know what i know where i want to work now i i know what i don't want to deal with and i know the type of culture and people and atmosphere where I want to engage. So I think, and, I think that's really interesting. Um, you talking about culture and I, I want to talk about culture here in a second. Um, can you tell us a little bit more what you mean when you say, you, you know, more like in the last five, 10 years, you've really started to understand what that means. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, I, I think, um, well, for, and it'll be different for different people. Right. But, um, but people want to be, my view is, people want to be valued and listened to and appreciated and trusted um, and not, you know, all the opposite of those things. And it and it's, sounds relatively easy, but there are many organizations that don't do that or don't behave in that way. Um, and so those are the things that are important to me. And, and I've had... Um, you know, I've, I've knocked, in the course of my career, I've knocked back opportunities, particularly more in, in the last decade or so, where, you know, you get a sort of, you get a smell. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hmm, do I want to, no, that, that's, that reminds me of that place. Or uh, do I, I don't want to deal with that every day, right? I, I literally went to an interview once and the guy asked me a question. I can't remember what the question was. And I gave him an answer and he said, and then he started like asking me other questions, which were kind of like, trying to work out whether I told the truth the first time. I'm like, dude, is this, if this is how you, <laughs> this is how you communicate and interact. I'm, and I literally, I'm like, I don't think this is, you know, I don't think this is going to work out. Yeah. So, so I'm kind of, um, I'm sensitive to it and yeah. I'm, and I don't always get it right, but I'm, I'm careful about, cause I'm going to spend, you know, according to a contract, I'm going to spend 40 hours. And in reality, I'm going to spend more time and more headspace. And if it's not somewhere where I want to work for for a mission that I'm engaged with, with people that are pleasant to hang out with, then uh, you know that's it's not going to speak to me. Yep, I I feel like that's that's some really good. I'll call that wisdom. Um, it's 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 having lived through. Um, it sounds like you've probably lived through some some difficult 
cultures, you've worked in some difficult cultures and, and you've learned what that's like. Um, I think um, in a startup environment that, that can be, you know, that could be anything. I've, I've, I've worked in several startups and I've seen how the culture can be a bit crazy sometimes. And, and so you take a step back and you think, is that, is that what I really want? Um, even just what you told me about um, an interview you had where you kind of got the, you got a little smell that maybe something's a little bit off here. And, and, yeah. and I think yeah. that starts to come with, with some time having worked in some difficult places. Um, yeah. Culture is an interesting, think, go ahead. The, the irony is I, I um so the first startup I worked with was in within financial services, right? It was it, the customers were were some of the world's, you know, it was like MetLife, New York Life, Goldman Sachs, big financial services companies globally. Uh, Credit Suisse first Boston, you know, a whole bunch. Um, that that doesn't exist anymore. Anyway, so um, and I after working with those in those companies and, and doing implementation. I was like, I never want to work in financial services. So mm. I'm like, I've ended up in Wiser and my like, you know, my better half, my partner kind of like, you know, laughs at me that I've ended up in, we're not a bank, right? But but it's kind of financial services. So so I never ever in a million years thought I would end up in in, in anything to do with financial services. But um, but Wiser is different and it's um, it does have a great culture and it, mm. and, and it doesn't have the toxicity that, that comes with, you know, some of, some of those um, other types of organizations. Uh, I want to talk about culture more. Um, and I think it's particularly interesting speaking with you about it because, you know, you're in a senior leadership position. So um, my belief is that, you know, culture is created by the leaders, um, certainly the founders, but um, the leaders. So I'm interested to know, how do you, I want to hear about Wise's culture, but I want to, I want you to tell us, um, you know, how do you maintain a positive and productive culture, you know, during, you know, massive growth? And I, I've looked at Wiser over the last few years, you guys have, you've, you've grown substantially. So, and I know, we both know from, from the startup world that growth, growth is painful. <laughs> like it, it's hard and it hurts and, and there's always change. Um, and, I, yeah, I, I, um, no, I don't, I'm not sure I agree. I think, okay. um, building, well, Building good culture in when you're growing is is easy. Mm. It's when, building maintaining culture and having great culture when you're static, right? You're not growing, or you're you know you're trying to your target is to grow one and a half percent this year, right? Or, yeah. or or you're declining. That's when it's hard, yeah. right? But when when you're on a growth journey and things and you're being successful as a group of people on a mission. That's that's invigorating and energizing, and and it's and and it's actually that's that in my mind is an easy place to 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 do it. Now you can get you can get, and I think maybe what you're referring to these kind of in, insane startup cultures where you know there is um, and and that there's a time and a place, and and you know that can that can be fun, right? But it yeah. can you have to be up for it, um, um, and. You know, I'm in this kind of funny mindset where I I know, in some ways, I don't like change, right? Mm. But I know that change is valuable and important both for me and, and the organization, mm. and so I have to kind of work out how to embrace it. Um, and I'm and it normally takes me about 36, 48 hours. Yeah, right. Somebody comes along with a big change, and I'm like, oh, oh, 
And then I'm like, <laughs> okay, let me think about that. And 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 I have I've had colleagues who kind of picked up on this, you know, denism, and it's like, uh, just just sleep on it. We'll talk again tomorrow. Mm. But but that's kind of how I am. Um, but I don't think it's I don't think it's um, you know, if changes is um is sensible well explained communicated plausible then it's okay yeah if it's changed because there's a you know some leadership group on high that can't make their mind up and is like every mm. three weeks changing their mind about priorities that's a pain in the ass yeah, um, yeah. and they're very different you know it's, it's how it's managed and, and, and where it comes from yeah no that makes total sense and i think what you said is is true when you're winning when you're winning it's it can be a lot of fun. It can be really awesome. So in, in your role, you, you would have, you know, teams that you lead. Um, on the Sprint Heart Iterate Fast podcast, we, we like to, you know, create an opportunity for, for a shout out. I wonder if there's anyone on your team, uh, any individual or, or team that you might say is, you know, playing a crucial role in shaping culture or driving growth or, you know, uh, creating some contribution that you really want to recognize? That, that is a, that is an incredibly dangerous question <laughs> and I'm not going to answer. <laughs> Very like, diplomatic. Well, no, it's like when you, you know, you're doing a release announcement and you, you mentioned the, the, the nine people that made a massive effort and you always forget the one, right? So, yeah. So, so, <laughs> So I'm not going to answer. Um, we have we have an incredible bunch of people at Wiser. I feel really blessed to work mm. with them, um, and and they're, they're they're quite different. You know, there are lots of different personalities. I've got. Uh, I'm not going to. I'm not going to name her, but I've got someone who's a incredibly structured finance head. Right? She she's you got a, a gnarly project to get done you know she's going to just nail it right and then i've got other people who come from much more creative dynamic backgrounds um and and they're gonna they're gonna work in different ways and it's actually the mix that kind of mm. makes it all work so um so i'm not going to name names but yeah I'm, i feel incredibly um they, they know who they are um we've got a great team of people and yeah. I'm, I'm very um like I said, I'm very blessed to work with them. That's really awesome. Um, it, you sound really positive about the culture at, at Wiser. Can you tell us what makes it such a, a great place? Um, yeah, it's hard to put it's hard to put a finger on it. I think um, I think there is some there is some truth that um, you know. So we describe ourselves as a purpose led organization. And the purpose is to help um, Australians improve their financial wellness or their financial lives. And we do that by providing credit and, and a whole range of other services and tools. And I think that attracts a certain type of people. Mm. Um, and I think it's genuine. Um, it's not just, you know, it's not just a kind of slogan on a wall. I think um, genuinely people are motivated, uh, or some people are motivated by that sort of mission. Um, and it permeates what we do uh so not you know some 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 of it's a little bit distant from that but a, but a lot of what we do is is really connected to that mission yeah so i think that's that's a key underpinning um and then we have a you know we have a leadership team that gets on very well together 
um, we're quite a diverse, eclectic bunch. Mm. Um, but, you know, we really work well together and, and that helps because if you don't have that, it can get messy. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I think those are, those are probably a, a couple of things that I'm sure there's a lot more, but there's, there's a couple of things worth calling out. Ben, as we close out this episode, I want to ask you for three pieces of advice that you'd have for anyone who wanted to apply and work at Wiser. What would you What would you tell them to do to to you know to be to stand out and perhaps be noticed? What advice yeah. would you have for them? I don't even. I, I I tell you what my reflections are on interviewing quite a lot of people, not just at Wiser. Um, it really shits me when someone comes along for for a an interview or a conversation and they haven't done the research mm. like like install the bloody product i mean mm. I'm, i don't mean get a loan but you know there's lots of the wise there's lots of other things that are free and so i so i ask people you know what what did you did you did you install the product did you, what do you think about it right you know, particularly if it's a, a product or design related and it and, and it's amazing to me that people haven't done that basic step right mm. um so do your research, and that might be, you know, try the product or, or, or learn about the company. Um, ask questions that, um, that tell you whether you want to work at this place. Mm. Right? Don't be afraid. Like, you're, you're, in my mind, an interview ought to be and is a two-way, it's a two-way engagement, right? And, and you need to have confidence in yourself and find the right tone to be able to do that. But but ask questions about that are gonna help you understand, do I wanna spend 40, 60, whatever, 40, you know, 40, 50 hours a week in this place, right? Um, and the third one I would say is, uh, which people don't do, is come with data. Mm-hmm. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, you're gonna get asked about what you did or what you've achieved and, and, and just think what difference did you make, Yeah. right? Don't say, oh, like, you know, I, I sat on the uh, compliance subcommittee and we um, went through this certification. I'm like, who gives a shit, right? What, what, what difference did you make to the, this organization that you were working in, right? And, and if you can't, and, and everyone can do that if they think about it, um, but people don't, right? But it makes it, that's, that's, that's my advice for anyone going to any interview. Not, it's not really a wiser thing. Um, but it does drive me crazy when people don't try a product going to talk to a product company. Yeah. Fantastic. Ben Berger, Chief Product Officer at Fintech Wiser based in Sydney. Thank you so much for joining us on the Sprint Heart Iterate Fast podcast. Lovely to talk to you, Reggie. Um, it's been a pleasure. Have a great day. Thank Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sprint Heart Iterate Fast podcast. You can find this episode's show notes and additional resources on www.beakerandflint.com. As a bonus, for the first 100 people to subscribe and leave a review, I'm giving away copies of my new book, Scale Up Culture. Scale Up Culture will give you a leg up in your career by showing you how fast-growing tech companies are building their teams. Stay tuned for more episodes on Melbourne's Tech Mavericks, 10 companies shaking up their industries in 2023.